episode eight of season two of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, the complexity of change. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. My name is Willem Larson, and Diana is traveling today for this episode, so I'll be interviewing Sharon. Hi. Hi, Willem. <laughs> you, uh, I understand that you started teaching a class with the Oregon Executive MBA program, and in a previous episode, we talked about a little bit about leadership and complexity. Mm-hmm. And that is actually at the heart of much of your class, isn't it? Those issues. Yeah, it is. Um, You know, traditionally, many leadership classes have been taught around, uh, framed around sort of individual leadership style and uh, how, uh, you know, I come across as a leader and how I communicate as a leader and that sort of thing. And, you know, while I think that has value, um, I certainly, um, you know, don't want to denigrate that. I thought it would be um, perhaps a more useful um, idea at this point to offer students a class that looked at leadership as a shared responsibility across, you know, not, not, um, you know, I'm the leader, but more as a leadership function. And um, that was framed around complexity because, um, you know, we, we all know that as our organizations become um, more and more um, complex and complicated and um, have to keep adapting and adapting and be flexible, I really felt that a lot of the leadership models didn't speak to that in a way that anybody could operationalize. I mean, you know, it's one thing to say, well, leaders have to be nimble. Well, yeah, right. But what does that mean and how do you do it? So I thought that introducing students to the idea of complex adaptive systems and thinking from that perspective Beginning, be, beginning to become more more comfortable with the idea of looking for patterns, influencing patterns, would be a more useful construct. So I'm halfway through the class, and here's my experience to date. Um, the students who are working in large organizations or have worked in large organizations really get why this is a valuable tool because they've seen, they've experienced firsthand where somebody makes a change over here in this one part of the organization and then there are all these unintended consequences, you know, somewhere else and they get that on some level that Mm -hmm. this is connected to that, is connected Mm. to that and that somehow you have to be able to wrap your head around that and understand where the levers are that are going to make change in the in a direction that you really want um 
So they, on a more intuitive level, are grasping what it is I'm trying to teach. I think the students who are working in organizations that are very small or just have like less experience in the business world in general are having a tougher time. And I, I mean, I totally understand that. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, it, you know, this is a little bit of an experiment, but um, I, I think it may take that second group of students a little bit maybe they're going to need a little bit more convincing or a little bit more experience to see why this is relevant. But um, I, I'm kind of blown away by the responses of a couple of the students. There is, for instance, um, one fellow who is very bright and um, um, is in a job where um, he's, I, I, I can't give too many particulars because there's some confidentiality issues here, but he's responsible for the security force um, on a, uh, on a campus, mm -hmm. okay? And so he's, he's in a role where he's got to, um, take people who have had their primary allegiance, their professional identity, if you will, tied up as being cops, mm -hmm. and reframe that into being um, helpers mm -hmm. who have some specialized expertise in law enforcement uh, right. on a campus, yeah, sure. right? <laughs> and so, so he's... He really is taking this stuff and going, wow, if I can, you know, you, using that notion, for instance, of simple rules, mm -hmm. if I can craft a set of simple rules for the people, for these people, so that, you know, when they encounter all of these kind of one-off situations mm -hmm. where there's no no manual that can possibly cover all the particulars they they have a set of of guidance of parameters yeah. that says this is how we do what we do um it's it's kind of amazing so i sh i had shown the the class one of the well two of the the um birds videos mm -hmm. um one where it was showing um the the flocking behavior of an enormous enormous flock of um what bird starlings oh, okay i mean sure. hundreds of thousands of starlings mm -hmm. and i introduced them to the idea you know that uh, of simple rules by by showing them that and saying mm -hmm. so flocking behavior is controlled by these these three simple rules. Mm -hmm. And I said something like, you know, didn't you ever wonder how you could look at these huge swarms of birds flying up above you and you'd go, how do they do that? How do they just all turn at the same time? How do they know? I mean, do they have like some secret language? Yeah. Well, it turns out they do, but it's not language the way you and I think of it. It's language... Mm -hmm. which 
obviously is somehow they're, they're wired with that contains those three simple rules of flocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all they need to know. Do you know? Do you remember what the rules are? Um, if I looked them up, I could, I yeah, could, I like could steer, quote them. Well, one or... is, is, um, steer in the direction that the, essentially the main group is heading, uh-huh. um, maintain, um, a safe distance from, um, the birds right around you. Mm-hmm. And there's a mathematical formula that's actually used uh-huh. that, that keeps them at that distance. Um, and the third one is also about steering, but I, I can't recall that. Mm-hmm. It's like um, steer to the center of the flock or something or maintain. Anyway, they're like, they're like that. They're right. Exactly. Like that. That's right. Yeah. And that's all they need to know. Mm-hmm. And that keeps them, um, attuned to each other mm-hmm. enough that when, um, when there's a need for a, a shift or a turn, they, it's, it's as if they are of one mind. I mean, it reminds me of, you know, remember the old Star Wars or Star Trek story about the Borg, mm-hmm, sure. you know, where they were all wired yeah. into the, well, you know, in, in yeah. essence, that's the same phenomena yeah. with flocking behavior. Um, and so the elapsed time between, you know, the transmission is like almost instantaneous. So, um, because everyone has those same three simple rules. So I said to the students, what would happen if in an organization, a team or a group of folks working together had the same simple rules? how would that affect, you know, your ability to function? And some of them kind of got that immediately, mm-hmm. like this this fellow, and others, you know, and understandably, are, are struggling to try to wrap their heads around it. But, um, you know, I think we've given people, in a way, um, formulas for a long time. Um, you know, these, these six tips, you'll be a great leader. Follow, you know, these seven rules of, you know, leading, you got it nailed. And, you know, what we know is that that really doesn't work. Right. So, so why not try at this point to introduce people to something that is, um, hopefully going to be more useful to them, uh, even if it does seem a bit unconventional. (laughs) Well, what are the main struggles with a person uh, who's trying to treat a complex system like a, uh, either a simple or, well, there's three kinds of of systems. There's simple systems, there's complicated systems, and there's complex systems. Isn't that how it... Like it goes simple, dynamical, and dynamic? No, it no? goes simple, dynamic, and dynamical. So dynamical, oh, okay. mm-hmm. dynamical mm-hmm. is the unfortunate term. Yeah, right. <laughs> really bad term yeah. that equates to a complex adaptive system. Okay. And um, we learned a long time ago that 
organizations weren't simple systems. So nobody is, is that foolish to try to look at it that way. Mm -hmm. But what we did do for a very long time, most of the theorists looking at organizational change, organization development, treated organizations as if they were dynamic systems mm, okay. that you could you could um, take an organization that was in X state, you could apply um, A, B, C, D, E methods of change in steps sequentially, mm-hmm. pretty much in a linear way. Mm-hmm. Um, when they did maybe make some allowance that if, you know, step six didn't work, maybe you had to go back to step five uh-huh. and then you do step five again and then you would do step six and then you would keep on going. Mm-hmm. And that then you would end up with the desired state. Mm-hmm. And that is treating an organization as if it's a dynamic system. Mm-hmm. When in fact, what is really much more appropriate and closer to the truth is that organizations are dynamical, Mm -hmm. they are complex, and you can't know in advance exactly what's going to emerge from each each set of interventions, each set of change, Mm -hmm. that changes that you apply. So that you have to treat the whole process um, as, yes, you may have a, 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 a goal in mind that you want to get to a maybe a more flexible, nimble organization, but um, how that's going to unfold is a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And that what you need instead of a a kind of a lockstep set of do this, do that, is something much closer to the idea of simple rules that gives you a frame in which to operate, but still allows for some thought and discretion to adapt to the specific circumstances that emerge. Hmm. So um, I just think it's a it's a much more um, relevant tool it's a tool set at this point um but it's not simple (laughs) (laughs) it's anything but easy um and so and it's just it's just a pretty foreign way of thinking i mean Mm -hmm. i remember going through the training myself with glenda um, to try to learn with Glenda Oyang, to try to learn from her. Oh yeah, Glenda Oyang, the founder of the Human Systems Dynamics Institute. Right, and she's really the the expert who's translated mm-hmm. um, all of this theory in physics and biology and higher math and things that I will never in my wildest yeah. dreams understand. Um, but she's taken the principles uh, and and synthesized them into a way of looking at organization change that um, she calls uh, human systems dynamics mm-hmm. that is the best thing I've seen um, in the last 20 or 30 years to think about organizations. And... And even though intuitively 
I understood that what she was saying was really quite revolutionary and quite, quite brilliant. I struggled myself to wrap my head around this because it is a very different way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And our, we're just not, we're just not trained, most of us are, mm -hmm. or wired to think that way. But you, it sounds like you struggled for a different reason than your students who are struggling um, are experiencing that. Because you mentioned that they are part of small organizations and somehow that makes it more difficult because of their experience to make that leap. Is that right? Well, that might not be the right explanation, but, um, but I, I think that in a much smaller organization, it's much easier to see what's going on as a function simply of personalities. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, so, right. you know, so, so you, you think, well, the reason this is happening, whatever the it is, is because this guy doesn't know how to manage, mm -hmm. or this woman, you know, is too nitpicky or you know I think it's easier to frame what's happening as personality driven mm -hmm. whereas in a bigger organization you see some of those same kinds of things happening over and over and right. over again and you see them happening in this part of the organization and in that part of the organization or, you know, yeah, this is the same kind of thing that happened 10 years ago, and gee, the person running that function was a different personality, but the same damn things are happening. It does begin to maybe make it easier for you to, to see or to grasp the idea that it's not all just a matter of personalities, that, that the system the way it is set up shapes behavior and that unless you change the system regardless of personalities you're going to get a lot of the same behavior so my guess that's i'm thinking that that may be one factor i mean there may be other factors too but mm -hmm. What, what are you trying um, that you think will help uh, those students who are more challenged by the material and by this way of thinking to make that leap? Or how, how in the end do you think you made that leap? Um, how did in the end did I make that leap? That, <laughs> that's a good question, Willem. Um... I, th I think you have to, first of all, give up on the idea that there are simple solutions here. I think you have to let go of that fantasy. Um, and it is a fantasy. I mean, maybe in a way it's easier for me to accept that because as an organization development person, um, I, I've seen how complicated some of this stuff is. Um, but I think for anybody that that seriously wants to be a leader in today's world, they've got to give up the, the idea that there are easy answers and that, um, that 
the whole idea of leadership as, you know, the person out front uh, waving the flag and saying, you know, follow me is just a totally inappropriate notion. Um, I think it probably always was, but, um, you know, we have myth, legend, Hollywood, you know, to, 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 um, to thank for that, but, but people have to seriously let go of that. Um, I think they have to let go of the idea that, um, if they, you know, if they just learn one theory of leading, if they, if they embrace the, uh, Kuzis and Posner, you know, model of leadership or, um, the idea of servant leadership that they're done. They, I think they have to give that up. They have to, um, think about being lifelong leaders, uh, lifelong learners rather. Mm -hmm. Well, and lifelong leaders yeah, too, but, sure. but really being lifelong learners mm -hmm. and, um, getting out of their comfort zone to try to, to see new ways. I mean, if you think about, um, this is a very interesting question that you asked me because I'm just really thinking out loud now about how this process has worked for me. But in the same way that we, we expect innovation to, to happen in terms of products, how can a leader be an innovator or expect innovation in their own organization if they're not willing to experiment with the idea of innovation about what leadership is and how you do it? And so I think part of this for me was saying, wow, okay, I, I kind of hear that there's this really new way of thinking about leading and making change in organizations. How do I learn about it? Going and learning about it, being uncomfortable learning about it, mm -hmm. experiencing what Glenda called hysteresis, which I loved that term, mm -hmm. which comes from the um, Greek term, I think, of um, sort of w where you get a flash of something and then you get confused and you can't, you can't hold on to it. Mm -hmm. um, and being damned uncomfortable mm -hmm. and staying there anyway yeah. and trying to wrap my head around it beca because I still only have, um, you know, one... I don't know, probably probably one eightieth of the understanding Glenda has. But every time I try to immerse myself in this and think about it or talk about it, all of which makes me anxious because mm -hmm. I know that I don't yeah. know it cold the way she does. But every time I do that, I get a little closer and a little closer and a little closer. And I think that's part of what learning 
and embracing being the best you can be, mm -hmm. which is all about leadership for yourself, and then being able to offer that to other people, it is is kind of the how of how you do it. So I, you know, Glenda's going to be back in Portland this summer mm -hmm. for another 10 days. And I'm going, I have volunteered to be a, an assistant. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to do the class again. And I will learn that much more. You know, and I'm sure I'm still not going to feel like I have wrapped my head around it totally, but I'll be closer. Um, so I, I guess that's, I guess that's what's been my process. That's interesting. You know, it's a, there's a, it sounds like there's a, a role modeling going on there in terms of leadership. Like you, you mentioned that the whole leading from the front with the flag in the air is the old model. So I wonder is the, is the new way of thinking about it leading from the center in a way? Does that describe it? Well, that's one way to describe it. Some people describe it as, you know, leadership at all levels. Mm -hmm. um, but, but, yeah, it's the idea that leadership um, isn't a, doesn't reside in a single individual. Mm -hmm. that, there, that there's lots of kinds of leadership and that there are leadership roles mm -hmm. and they can be um, performed by many people within any given organization. And just like um, you can have thought leaders, you can have um, action leaders, mm -hmm. you, know, you can have different kinds of leadership in an organization. And if you go back to that model of the birds flying, have you ever noticed how um, when birds, when you watch them for a long time, there's there's one bird in the front uh -huh. of the V, uh -huh. and then at some point that bird drops back and around uh -huh. and either goes, I'm not sure I've ever seen for sure whether they go back just into the flock mm -hmm. or kind of at the back of the flock, uh -huh. and now there's a new bird at the front. Uh -huh. So that leader, some bird has to be the front bird, mm -hmm. but doesn't have to be the same bird all the time. And in fact, it isn't the same bird all the time. Mm. Um, so in our, in our organizations, why do we expect all of that leadership that needs to happen in that organization to, to roll out from, from one, one body at the yeah. very top? Mm, okay. Yeah. You know, Yeah. it really, it really doesn't make sense any more than than it makes sense in a marriage to think about your 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 partner fulfilling every need every function that you could want in a partner you know but often that's in a in a young marriage that's all that's often a real point of contention right um and as people grow and develop, they they begin to see that it really is okay to have other people in their sphere that um, um, are really important in other ways to them for other reasons. 
um, and that that's not, it doesn't in any way um, mean the marriage is less. It just means that um, I think maybe we can get more realistic about the expectations that we have, um, both for ourselves and for other people. Please leave your comments and questions on our blog or email us leadershippodcast at gmail.com. This has been Episode 8 of Season 2 of Partnerships and Possibilities. Thanks for listening.